What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Go ahead and have a seat. Here's a question. Here's the sermon title today. We always encourage people to take notes. It's not a TED Talk. I'm not just up here trying to kill time. Um, I believe that what God wants to speak, whether it's through me or something that God speaks to you during this time, um, is something that you need to be chewing on Monday through Saturday. Not just like, wow, that made me feel good, and then we go back to regular life like nothing ever changed, right? This isn't, a, this isn't a spiritual pep talk. This is a moment for God to speak. And that brings us to the title today, do, do You Know That Voice? Because I want you to know God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. The thoughts that he has for you are greater than the sand on the seashore in, in number. They can't be numbered. They can't be counted. And so can we catch all of it? No. <laughs> That's a lot, right? But, but there are things, you need to know that God is speaking to you. You don't have to attain some certain status to get, it's not like, you know, some special credit card when you get the platinum status and then you're allowed to hear the voice of God. That's not how it works. When the Spirit of God comes inside of you, the moment that you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, you need to know that God begins to speak. We're going to talk about that today. So let's, let's start in, in John chapter 20, the Gospel of John in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And, uh, and, and we're going to go to chapter 20. And I'm going to read some verses. You can look it up in your Bible, Version Bible app on your phone. Download it for free if you don't have it. Everybody on the planet should have it. And we'll have, some, uh, we'll have it up on the screen as well. And this is, these are events that are taking place immediately after the resurrection of Christ. And, uh, and in John chapter 20, we, we already see in the verses before we're about to read, starting in verse 11, uh, there, there's a report of the empty tomb of Jesus no longer being there. And, uh, and, in, and then in John's account of the things that began to unfold, we see, you know, Peter and John racing to the tomb to see it firsthand. And, and, uh, and then picking up in verse 11, we see a very special encounter that Jesus has with, with Mary Magdalene. And it says in verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Past tense, pretty important. It says, dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. And she turned to leave. And I just, can I pause? Can we act like or not act like she just talked to angels and then walked away like it was nothing? Like, oh, look at you guys. Yeah, I don't know where Jesus is. And just kind of walk. Or maybe she was just so distraught in the moment that she wasn't even able to process what was happening physically in front of her supernaturally. It says so she turned to leave and, and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Isn't that interesting? This, this would have been someone who had followed him and walked with him for at least three years, three, three and a half years. And says so she didn't recognize him at the time. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? And she thought that he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, just tell me where you have put him, 
and I, I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which means, which is Hebrew for teacher. It was interesting. When he mentioned her name, she recognized his voice. When he mentioned her name, she, rec- she recognized his voice. So here, here's the thing. A- absolutely everybody, you have voices in your life that influence you. Currently, growing up, throughout different seasons of your life, we have all had people and voice, people who have influenced us, made an impact in our, in our lives. But there are only some voices that literally in any context, you could hear that person say your name and it would get your attention. Now, for me growing up, I think about my parents. I, I knew my parents' name. I mean, of course, yes, I knew my parents' name. <laughs> I knew my parents' voice. <laughs> And even more importantly, I knew their voice when they said my name. Because if you have any, you know, some recollection of those years, regardless of what that, up, up, you know, your, your growing up experience was and the people that were formative in your life, a parent, a mother, a father, a grandparent, a, a guardian, some figure in your life that was just there for you, you also know what they mean by how they say your name. And that doesn't come just because you knew someone. That comes because there is such a familiarity in the relationship with that person that when they say your name a certain way, you know, so like when I heard my, my mom or my dad yell my name Craig, I knew by the tone and by the sound if I was in trouble, <laughs> if, if they were proud of me, if they were pleased with something, if they were displeased with something, if they were concerned about something. Like, there, there's different things. Like, you, I could be, and, and I was a couple of times, lost in a supermarket, and, and there could be conversations happening everywhere, elevator music in the background, and I could hear my mother yell, Craig, and it would somehow, even though it may not have been louder in decibels, it was louder in my ear because my ear was attuned to that voice. And I would come running. I could be outside. And I could have missed getting home before the streetlights came on. That's when I knew it was time to be home if I was out playing my friends as a kid. Like, you better be home. You know, aren't you, I was grateful for the type of lights that they didn't just turn on. They kind of like, they made a noise and they kind of like, you're like, you know, you kind of look at it, you hear the noise. And you'd be like, I got about 100 yards and I got about six seconds to get home. And you're just like (laughs) diving onto the porch before the lights fully came up. But if I wasn't, I knew that my mom was coming outside. She was going to yell for my name or my dad because it was dinner time and I was supposed to already, you know. And I knew the sound of that voice. And, and I think we need to ask ourselves a question, even when it comes to our lives today, what voices are we listening to? What voices are we most attuned to in our life? Because the ones that you are the most attuned to are the ones that you will follow. They're the ones that you will jump when it says jump. You will, you will turn when it says turn. And I think right now, if I were to be honest, and if you were to be honest with yourself, I would say that we have a hearing problem in the Christian world. Not the ability to hear, but it's what we're listening to. It's what we're choosing to hear. It's what we're choosing to be impacted by. It's what we are choosing to follow, to be guided by when it comes to the voices that we choose to listen to. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. 
Um, even if we look back to the very, very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, and we're in the Garden of Eden, right in, in the first part of Genesis, chapter 1, 2, and 3, like Adam and Eve knew God very much because they knew his voice. It was the voice that they spoke to. But quickly, we also see another voice coming into, coming into the account. And it was a voice that wanted to take away their attention. It was the voice of Satan. It was the voice of the enemy of God. As much as God desires for you to hear and follow his voice, because in the voice of God, there's going to be life, there's going to be purpose, there's going to be things that you can only imagine, and God wants to take you there, there is another voice that is working, if I would even say working harder, so it seems, to get your attention and to distract you. Satan came into the garden, and he comes to Adam and Eve, and he goes, hey, did God really say that you couldn't eat from any of the fruit out here in the garden? He plants that seed of, of doubt. He plants that seed of confusion to the point where Eve didn't even actually accurately remember what the voice of the Father had said. She's like, no, God said that we couldn't um, eat or even touch this one particular fruit, which was an inaccurate remembering of what God said. God said, don't eat the fruit of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't say don't touch it. But all of a sudden, when we begin to listen to other voices, confusion comes in for what God has actually spoken, what God has actually said. We begin to misinterpret, misremember. And the more distance we create between us and listening to the voice of God, the harder it will be to remember the accounts. Ever tried to tell a story from years ago and it just kind of changes over the years? Or you play that, like when you're a teenager, you play that game telephone where like somebody starts with a statement and you whisper into somebody's ear and it goes around. And when it comes back all the way around, you're like, yeah, that was, we didn't say any of those things. That doesn't even make sense. You know, and same thing, like you start telling stories and I'm, I'm old enough now to where some of my stories apparently are starting to change. And I don't know what those are because I don't remember them changing. I remember them how I remember them, right? But that happens. Like over the years, distance from an account, distance from a moment, distance from a story, details begin to shift. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. If we allow distance to, to begin to creep in or to continue to creep in in our relationship with God, then we will begin to have distance that causes us to either forget or misremember what God had said to us. It's never more apparent than when you hear Christians who are not in the word try to quote scripture. We begin to quote things that aren't even in the scripture. Well, God helps those who help themselves, praise the Lord. Be like, that's not in the Bible, <laughs> sorry. Really, no? You know, good things come to those who, you know, we start, we start quoting stuff. We're like, that's not, just like the word says, like, that's not the word. That's, those, are, those are words. <laughs> those are not the word. Like, there, there, there's something to be said about our proximity to God in relationship and knowing exactly what God is speaking. Because there is no other voice that you have to learn to hear and to follow than the voice of God. Honestly, even our purpose is caught up in this. Like what you do, and I want, you, I want to remind you, what you do is not who you are. Those are separate things. Your identity is not wrapped up in the things that you do. But what you do is connected to the bigger purpose that God has developed and created for your life. 
So things are, right, what you do from season to season, from year to year, those things, a career may change, a job may change. Uh, um, you know, even like if you're on the dream team, areas where you may serve from time to time might change. Interests can change. Passions and gifts can ebb and flow depending on seasons. But who you are will never change because that's something that was created by God even before you showed up on this planet. So it's interesting that we allow distance in us hearing from God, distance from the word of God. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But the more distance there is, the greater room there is for confusion. And we have never lived in more confusing times than we live in right now. Where people are more confused, more disoriented about who they are, about their identity, about their purpose. People are, are broken and hurting. And so much of it is connected to the voices that we are choosing to hear and listen to. People will, people will jump on a cultural trend and shift because of an influencer, either in the media or social media or, or some YouTube person that you're listening to without even knowing what the word of God says about something. And we will begin to post, tweet, retweet, share, uh, and without even saying, I wonder if that's actually what God is saying about this. We, we've got we've to challenge ourselves. We've got to know how to hear the voice of God. And there was no more confusing time in the Christian world than the moments right after the resurrection of Christ. Like I already said, I was like, all right, that was cool. Okay, now I remember he said he was going to do that, and he did that. Now what do we do? And it was the fact that they had a close enough relationship with God to where when they heard his voice, they were actually able to hear and know who Jesus was. I want to give one more scriptural account because if we're going to talk about hearing God, we should probably be in scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, go to, if, you, if you want, you can turn here if you want to or if you can just write this reference down. Luke chapter 24. And, and I'm not going to read through this entire thing. I'm going to paraphrase some of it, but I want to give you the, the set. We're reading like verses 13 through 32. And again, this is, this is Luke's account of some of the events that began to unfold in Jesus revealing himself post-resurrection to some of his followers as well as his disciples. And so there's, this, there's uh, the heading over this particular passage in my scripture says, Jesus appears to two believers traveling on the road. Very specific. And in verse 13, it says, The same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Just a little stroll, a little seven mile. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Interesting. They could, they could see, but they didn't recognize. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And it, and it goes on to basically say, it's kind of like if, if there's something that is so huge in world and current events that everybody knows about that, until like somebody shows up and they're like, oh, what are you talking about? And you're like, what are you living in a hole? How do you not know? That was what they basically said to Jesus. Like, how, are you for real? Like, are you dumb? How do you not know? You know, Jesus is playing, obviously he's playing dumb with them. He's like, how do you possibly not know? And they begin to kind of unpack what happened. And they begin to tell Jesus, ironically, of what the hopes that they had had in this Jesus. 
and how it didn't seem like those hopes were gone. And even though this Jesus said that he was going to, you know, rise from the dead and, and, and right now our friends can't seem to find his body and the tomb's empty, we don't really know what's going on and, and we're disappointed, we're disillusioned, we don't know what to believe. And then in verse 25, you know, Jesus just kind of asks questions and lets them talk and lets them talk. And, and I want you to know that's kind of how God still operates with us. He'll let you talk. He'll let you say, he'll let you get it out. Jesus never cut him off. It was like, uh, hey, hey, dummy. Hello, you recognize who I am? No, he never did that. He never even corrected them for getting the thoughts out of their mouth, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, I better not say that. It's like, well, Jesus already knows you're thinking it. It's like, if you're gonna say it, maybe just say it to him. <laughs> you know, sometimes there is, there is great therapy in just being able to get stuff out of our mouth, but sometimes our lack of discipline and our own brokenness, we like to do that around other people. So we end up puking all over people and bringing damage into their reality instead of staying private and giving it to the Lord. And they were, without knowing it, they were giving it to the Lord. And then in verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. I wonder if, you know, they still didn't recognize who it was, right? So you got somebody that you don't know who it is, and they're like, you idiot. And you're like, excuse me? You talking? You talking to me? You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly uh, predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things uh, before entering his glory? And then it says, "I love this." And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Even Jesus went to the scriptures to prove himself. He didn't say, he, he wasn't even just sharing his own personal experience. I'm telling you, there is power in your testimony, but if when you share your testimony with people, it's 90% of all of your story and experiences and 1% of, oh, and then God showed up and helped me out and it was fantastic, then you don't understand what a testimony is. Because a testimony is not bragging about all the things that you used to do and then God. The testimony is, I was lost, and then you begin to show them what God did in your life. There's a huge difference. And, but you got to know how to bring the word of God into it. Even Jesus brought the word of God into his own testimony about who he was. It says, by this time they were approaching Emmaus, and, and, uh, and it was, you know, Jesus you know, he's funny. And so they, they were done with their journey, and they were going to, you know, go into the house and eat dinner. And it says that Jesus kind of pretended like he was going to keep walking. Ever had that person that was, like, with you, and you thought you were going to part? And they're like, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'll, uh, I guess this is where we part ways, you know, unless there's anything else you want to say or if you want to invite me over or, you know. You're like, okay. And so they, so they invited, like, hey, why don't you stay? Stay with us. But I think at that point, God was slowly beginning to reveal himself to them. And it says there was something inside of them that, that made them, they're like, we want this guy to stay with us. Hey, come eat dinner with us. And it says they went down and they sat down, and it says that Jesus took the bread, and he broke it and he gave thanks to it. And it was at that moment that they recognized. They recognized him. His voice became familiar. They remembered who he was. And why did they, why was that moment of breaking the bread the thing that seemed to open up their eyes to hear who he was? It was because they had closeness with him. They had, they had, they were in proximity with him so much that they knew the things about him. And it drew them closer. But I love it. It says, at that moment that they recognized him, boom, Jesus was taken from their midst. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And and really freaky all at the same time, like if you're in the room. 
But Jesus was trying to show himself again to reassure his followers. Hey, I, I, I know like it seems like the climax is over, but guys, it's just beginning. It's just beginning, and I want to reveal myself to you. God is looking to reveal himself to you today. We cannot just celebrate the highlights of Christian faith a couple of times a year and then continue to live our own life, our own way, following the voices of the world around us because what it's going to do is it's going to continue to create a cycle of destruction and confusion and brokenness. And then what happens in our human nature, and I've done this before, is we allow ourselves to get to the bottom of the barrel until we realize there's, there's no other hope. Man, maybe I should take this back to Jesus. And then we drag our broken butts back into a church or somewhere where we've had an encounter before and things begin to resurrect inside of us. Why? Because the life of God, we invite it back into our life. And then all of a sudden we feel great and we feel re-energized. We got our B12 shot. And then we kind of, okay, now I'm good. And then we go back out and we begin to live life apart from Jesus. And I'm telling you, how long do you want this cycle to continue? It's up to you. How long do you want to continue to live partially lost and partially found? And I'm not necessarily just talking about salvation. I'm talking about the life that you were created to live. I'm talking about the fact that God didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead just so that you could have eternity in heaven. He did it because there's a life that he's calling you to live right here and right now. I'm going to give you four primary ways that you can begin to learn to hear the voice of God. And I'm going to do the big one first because it's the one that everyone wishes they could get all the time, but it's also the one that is the least common. That's hearing the audible voice of God. Is it possible? Yeah. In my own life, and I was born and raised in church, gave my life to Jesus on my own choice when I was 14, acted like a teenager, grew and got mature, continued to love Jesus, continued to follow, continued to, to mess up and experience the love and grace of God and learn to continue to surrender parts of my life until I could surrender everything to Jesus, right? And, uh, and even in my own life, passionately pursuing God, being in full-time pastoral ministry for almost 20 years, there are two times in my life where I am confident. And I use that word confident because still at the end of the day, I'm not sure if that was just something that I heard or if it was something that was going on around me. There were two times where I felt like I heard the audible voice of God. So we, I think sometimes we see like those like those Apostle Paul moments. Saul, you know, it's like, why can't God speak to me like that? I was like, well, for, for one, it wouldn't take faith. Maybe a little bit, but not as much. It wouldn't take discipline. Because it would kind of be like that parent when you weren't where you were supposed to be, you could still hear the voice because they were shouting so loud that you just couldn't ignore hearing the voice of God. There's an encounter in, in the Old Testament where, um, where Moses wanted to see the face of God. I don't know if you remember this. And uh, which, by the way, is a very dangerous thing. To, he didn't know what he was asking for. What Moses was really asking for was he wanted proof. He wanted tangible proof that he wasn't going mad. <laughs> that he was hearing something that was real, that was telling him to do something that was real. And, and God positioned him like in this little like, kind of like a little cave around some rocks. And he goes, I will pass before you. And it talks about how there was thunder. Boom, we're like, oh, that must be the voice of God. But it goes, but that, but that wasn't God speaking. There was, there was earthquake. Okay, must, God must be speaking. Yeah, but, but that wasn't God. And then phew, the wind, you know, hurricane, wind's blowing. They're like, clearly God is speaking. And then it says, no, then there was like, and there was like a still, small whisper. There was a still, small voice. 
And it says that the glory of God passed by. And I think at that moment, that's when Moses was like, oh no, I've asked for something that I can't handle. And he hides himself. Rightly so. Would have done the same thing. Listen, yeah, the audible voice of God. God will speak. But every time I find God doing that in Scripture, it's usually because there's such a stubbornness of heart in the person he's trying to speak to that he literally has to separate the heavens and bring his voice down to a, to a place where it shakes you. And I'm telling you, even in my limited experiences hearing the audible voice of God, it's not something where you're like, wow, wasn't that cool? It's like, I should dig a hole and hide in it. It's, it's terrifying. Like, to hear the audible voice of God, cause, because something, when you realize what it is, you're like, why, wow. And, and why is he speaking to me this way? And who am I that he would speak to me this? Like, it, it's something that confronts our flesh. And it does happen. But I'm telling you, if you if you like, that's the only way I'll know if God's speaking to me is if I hear, if he splits the heavens and speaks to me. I would encourage you to move on to some of these different elements that God has provided to speak to us and to bring confirmation. I love that God doesn't speak to us one way because if he only spoke to us one way, it creates confusion for other people who have distance from God or don't know him to manipulate hearing the voice of God. I heard God said, and they begin to say stupid stuff. Be like, how could you say that? Because God told me. How can, you, how can you prove you just had to be there? Well, God's given us some other ways where we can confirm his voice. Hearing God through impressions in your heart and mind. And then we're gonna get to a solid one. And this is that still small voice. I remember my dad telling me a testimony when he first got saved. This is before I was born. He went to a Bible study because somebody dragged him there. And uh, in his own words, he was a recovering Methodist from his background. He was basically a backslidden Christian is what he was. And, um, and he, he smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. And I really didn't understand what that meant because that wasn't my experience. He's like, I would chain. I would light one. I would finish one, and I would light the next one with that one. I'm like, that sounds like a problem, Dad. He's like, and it was, and I was completely addicted. And I went to this Bible study, gave my life to the Lord. He saw a man get healed in front of his eyes in a way that just messed him up. He's like, I got to get out of here. Ever, ever been in a place where you see God doing something in other people's lives and it just freaks you out? If you haven't, then you need to hang around longer because you will. And it's my dad said, I ran outside. And the first thing I did, I reached for my pack of cigarettes and I'm you know, about, about to pull one out. He goes, and I hear this. I hear this little voice in my head that I've never heard before. And he called him by name. My dad's name is Steve. And this voice says, Steve, you don't need those anymore, do you? You're like, well, how do you know that's the voice of God? Well, because it wasn't asking him to light it up. It was asking him to stop doing something that was bringing destruction to his body. And he said, in that moment, he took his pack, crumpled it, threw it away, was instantly healed because he went from four packs a day for over 10 years to absolutely nothing, cold turkey, no, uh, no withdrawals, no issues, no problems. Like that, that was God speaking to him in that moment. And it was like the clouds didn't part. It wasn't like, you know, like that's what we think God's gonna sound like. And it wasn't like that. It was just this little, this still small voice that was, whether it was in his head, his heart, whatever, it was something that his, what was happening is that his spirit was able to hear the spirit of God speaking to him. This voice will never say anything to harm you. The voice will only lead you closer to God and closer to his word. The still small voice of God will only lead you 
to the good things that God is desiring to do in you and through you. Not only will the voice of God never have you do something to harm yourself, the voice of God will never tell you to do anything to harm someone else. But here's the biggest one, and this is where we have to have our foundation, is hearing God through his word. This is the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the words of Christ, the words of God. I heard someone preach that one time because it's like, it says hearing and hearing and hearing multiple times. And it just paints this picture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. The more we put the word of God in our life, the more we will learn to hear the voice of God. I'm so grateful that God is a God who makes things fairly simple for us in a relationship and a reality with God that is crazy complex, right? It's, it's simple and it's complex all at the same time. It, it is miraculous and it is plain all at the same time. It is supernatural and it's tangible all at the same time. God says, listen, I'm not gonna try to make this complicated. I am literally going to anoint through my Holy Spirit. I will inspire words that will be given to you so that when you read these words and you begin to meditate on them day and night, never let these words depart from your heart and from your mouth. You will know what I am speaking to you. You will know what it is to do. And when you have the Spirit of God inside of you and you get the Word of God constantly alive inside of you, it will keep you on the right track. It will illuminate your path. You'll know what to do. You'll know how to live. When culture begins to whisper in your ears and tell you what you should or shouldn't do, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe, what's real and what's false, you'll be able to know what truth is because you're comparing it with truth. When we live in a world that says that your truth is what you make it, there's no greater deception, which is the irony of that, of that confession that we see in the world culture because truth, how can, how can truth be true? What if my truth says that your truth is wrong? Is it still truth? Truth has to be established upon a firm foundation. Jesus talks about how if you built your house on sand, when the things of the world come, the rain comes and the waters rise and the winds blow, if it's built on a, on, on a sand foundation, you can visualize the structural integrity of this thing. It says it's gonna collapse with a great crash. But if you build a house on a rock, a firm foundation. Yes, we're talking about Jesus, but we're also talking about the word of God. And guess what? When the, when the Holy Spirit inspired John to write his gospel, he started off by saying, in the beginning was the word. It was a capital W. It was that same where he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It says that everything was created through him, and nothing was created except through him. Jesus has always been there. The word has always been there. God has always been speaking, and he will never stop speaking. That's why this is not a recreational book that you read page one to page whatever, and then you close it and put it on the shelf with the other books you read. This is a living, breathing word of God. You can read the same thing in here a hundred times, and it will speak to you a hundred different times. You can read John 3.16 a thousand times, and a thousand times it will do something different inside of you. You can read the 23rd Psalm a million times. I don't know why I keep increasing the number. And it will speak to you differently. Why? Because God is speaking. God's not just being repetitive. He's not just simply repeating himself. It's not a religious mantra. It's a living, breathing communication. God desires you to hear his voice. 
He desires to lead you because if you try to walk out your faith with God in this world by just having a Sunday-only religion or by just listening to whatever somebody tweets and they do it, they, they design it beautifully with the right color schemes and some graphics and the quotation marks and, and they put the name of the famous person who said it in the book that they wrote and you're like, wow, that must be, that's probably in the Bible. I'm gonna live by this. And we begin, to, we begin to live by things that are not truth. And what's even worse than living by a complete lie is trying to live by a half truth. The devil does not show up and whisper into our ears the most ridiculous lies. He didn't come to Adam and Eve and try to manipulate them with a just complete fabricated, made no sense, no context. No, he came to them with a portion of truth and a portion of deceit. But as my parents told me growing up, that a half lie is a full lie because of where it leads you. Only a full truth can lead you in truth. You can't pick a truth that you're comfortable with and kick out the truth that makes you uncomfortable because it's the uncomfortable truths of God's word that God is trying to bring into our lives to confront the brokenness in our lives so that we don't keep living in those same patterns. Whether it's sexual brokenness, whether it's relational brokenness, whether it's how you see other people, maybe it's how you even discriminate against other people of color and economic status or just the way that someone was raised, the way that we begin to treat people. No, we have to be confronted with the truth of God's word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit so that we can be brought into a life where we live the truth. Our world is so, so, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that our world is desperately wanting real truth. And there's something inside the hearts of humanity. There's the seed of God, because we're created in the image of God, exists in the hearts of humanity. And the more that those who say that they have the truth continue to live half-truth, the more frustrated and deceived the world becomes around us. And I'm telling you, those that are lost won't stand before God the same way that those who claim to be found stand before God, yet have led those, led others into deception. You're like, well, yeah, some pastors out there just saying false truths. Like, well, the New Testament calls you and I kings and priests. That means you. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. You become a priest in the same order. It says the order of Melchizedek, which is a, a pre-representation of who Christ would be, and Christ passes on his authority to those who put their faith in him. So it's not, this, it's not simply this hierarchical uh, picture of, of, uh, of, of uh, you know, religious order and leaders. Like That's there for a reason, but it's not there to give you an excuse to not be the priest that God's called you to be in your world around you to be the priest in your home, to be the priest that God has placed in your workplace, to be the priest that God has in your neighborhood. God's put you there so that you can be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus to people who don't know him. But if we're not hearing the voice properly, then what we communicate to the world around us won't be accurate. We have got, there, there is no shortcut. There's no shortcut. Voices can determine your choices and your community is gonna determine your trajectory. And so you have to determine what voices am I gonna allow 
to lead me? What am I gonna pour myself into and listen to? We need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus. Can I pray for you? God, you are good. And just as we can even place ourselves in the moments where 2,000 years ago there were, at that time, 11 disciples and a bunch of other followers who were wondering what was next. And you showed up and you spoke and they heard your voice. And they, they had confidence in what to do next because they knew the voice that was speaking to them. Father, I pray that we would be people that would allow ourselves to listen to and hear the voice of God. Lord, help us to train our ear to hear the right things. Help our ear to lean in and to tune to your voice, to realize that there is no shortcut for getting into your word. There is no shortcut for leaning into the spirit of God and learning how to discipline ourselves to hear that still small voice speaking in our heart. Father, I pray today, Lord, that even as we go from this room, that we would realize that you have called us to live on mission. You've called us to be faithful to what you are doing in this world. And we don't have to do it on our own, God. You're speaking. Help us to hear your voice in our lives, God, so that we can not just find freedom for ourselves, but that we could also begin to be a mouthpiece, to be a voice to the world around us, repeating the things that we have heard Jesus directly from you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Convo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.